Now, we're turning this morning in our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. Normally, we would be singing a second hymn now, but because of these COVID restrictions, we've had to curtail that. So we're turning in our Bibles to the book of Habakkuk. Habakkuk's one of the 12 minor prophets. And if you get the hold of Matthew and work your way back, you'll very quickly come to the book of Habakkuk. For our visitors online from the United States, they might know it better as Habakkuk. But whether you call it Habakkuk or Habakkuk, Habakkuk sounds like a tobacco type thing. So we'll just use the English. But we'll call this man Habakkuk. And we're turning again to chapter 1. Now we're going to read the entire chapter. Habakkuk chapter 1. And we'll read from verse 1. You follow with me. If you have a copy of the scriptures in front of you. Even if you're at home, get a hold of the Bible and read it for yourself. The words will come up on the screen, but we would encourage you to read your own personal copy of the scriptures. Let's hear the word of the Lord. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 1. The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that rise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slacked, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous. Therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. Behold ye among the heathen, and regard, and wonder marvelously. For I will work a work in your days, which ye will not believe, though it be told you. For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land, to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the lepers. And are more fierce than the evening wolves. And their horsemen shall spread themselves. And their horsemen shall come from far. They shall fly as the eagle that hasteneth to eat. They shall come all for violence. Their faces shall sup up as the east wind. And they shall gather the captivity as the sand. And they shall scoff at the kings. And the princes shall be a scorn unto them. They shall deride every stronghold. For they shall heap dust and take it. Then shall his mind change, and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this his power unto his God. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God, mine Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment, and O mighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of pure eyes, and to behold evil, and canst not look in iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when thy wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he, and makest men as the fishes of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. They take up, up all of them 
with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore they rejoice and are glad. Therefore they sacrifice unto their net and burn incense unto their drag because by them their portion is fat and their meat plenteous. Shall they therefore empty their net and not spare continually to slay the nations? Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this morning is taken from Habakkuk chapter 1 verses 5 right through to verse 17. And my theme today is entitled, as put up on the church website, God's Marvelous Work or a Monumental Wrong. Now think of the title, God's Marvelous Work or a Monumental Wrong. See, the prophet Habakkuk was a contemporary of Jeremiah. That is, he lived at the same time, ministered in the same area. And Habakkuk ministered in the Lord's name long before the Babylonian captivity of 605 to 586 BC. The most likely scenario is that he wrote down his prophecy after the death of the godly king Josiah at the age of 39. Remember, he went out to battle against the Egyptians and the Egyptian army killed him. And after Josiah's death, the wicked king Jehoiakim, his son, ascended the throne. And it's very interesting as you read the short prophecy of Habakkuk that he doesn't address his own nation. He's not addressing his fellow countrymen. He's not even addressing a foreign country like Egypt or Assyria or or even the Babylonians. You see, out of all the 12 minor prophets in the scriptures, Habakkuk is different. Habakkuk's unique. Now, let me tell you why. When you read the book, three chapters, even though it's small in size, it's got a tremendous punch to it. And here's the punch. The whole tenor of the book is a message about his personal feelings, his personal struggles. And if you read chapter 1 carefully, he is struggling with three particular issues. Now, each of these issues are related. First of all, he's struggling with unanswered prayer. Remember what he says there, if you look at chapter 2. Or chapter 1, verse 2, O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear? So he's struggling with unanswered prayer. He's thinking of the question, why doesn't God answer me? Now, two weeks ago, we saw Habakkuk as God's man with a broken heart. He's broken for his country. He is broken for his church. He is for his fellow countrymen, his heart and mind is stirred, it's moved, it's broken for the spiritual condition of his land. Now, could I encourage you again to listen to that first message on the website? We thought of his appearance as God's man, his agony as God's man. We encouraged you to think about his asking as God's man and his answer as God's man. The second struggle that Habakkuk had was this, that sin in the land was going unpunished. 
See, he, he said, Lord, the land is bankrupt socially and morally and religiously and spiritually. If you look at Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 3, he says, Why dost thou show me iniquity and cause me to behold grievance for spoiling and violence are before me? And there that raise up strife and contention, therefore the law is slacked. And he has a big struggle going on in his heart and mind about sin being unpunished. God doing nothing about it. And then his third struggle that he had was connected to um, God's answer to him. If you look at verse 5 through to verse 11 of Habakkuk 1, God is speaking. You see, Habakkuk is a dialogue between the prophet and God. God speaks to him and he answers him. So God's now speaking to Habakkuk, verse 5, right through to verse 11. And here's God's answer to the prophet. I'm going to do a marvelous work. And he tells him what that work is. You're praying to me about the restoration for the land. You're, you're praying about revival for the land. But there's not going to be revival. There's not going to be restoration. First of all, there's going to be retribution. There's going to be judgment. And it when God finishes speaking, it's as if Habakkuk interrupts him and he starts to think again. He starts to struggle again. He starts to question. And here's his question. Right through from verse 12 through to 17, why would God use an ungodly nation like the Babylonians to punish iniquity in Judah when they're more wicked and evil than my fellow countrymen? Lord, this is not like you. Lord, this is out of character. Lord, I see a monumental wrong taking place. Lord, I believe you're making a big mistake. You can't be serious, Lord. You, you, you can't do this. You see, he's struggling. How could God allow a sinful, bad nation to be judged by a far worse nation? Why punish Judah using the Chaldeans to do it? Lord, they're a terrible people. They're a sinful people. Lord, I'm perplexed. I'm bewildered. Now this morning, do you see and hear the prophet Habakkuk struggle with these things? Struggling with unanswered prayer. Do you struggle with unanswered prayer? He's struggling with sin going unpunished. Do you struggle with that? He's struggling when good people suffer. And the wicked prosper was not Asa's problem in Psalm 73. And here he's struggling now again. God, you're going to use a worse nation to punish a bad nation. And one of the modern myths today of the 21st century is this. Come to Christ and you'll get rid of all your problems. You'll never ever have a problem. I want to tell you that's a lie. I want to tell you, that's absolute rubbish. A Christian who's born again of the Holy Spirit and saved and in Christ, who claims that he hasn't got a problem, I, I want to tell you, he's not telling the truth before the Lord. You see, there are many problems in the Christian life. There are many struggles, many things that are perplexing. And in those times, what do we feel? Now, let's be honest. Lord, you're making a big mistake. Lord, you're doing a monumental wrong. 
Was it not true when the tsunami, the Boxing Day tsunami struck uh, the uh, coast uh, there when it did in that time? Is not true when there's a terrible car accident and there's multiple fatalities? Isn't it true when someone you know is in health and strength one minute and then the next minute they're in the hospital and you hear they're terminally ill? Isn't it true when a, a little baby dies suddenly from a home? And you, you add into the mix war coming into a country, famine. You, you think of drought, you, you think of this disease. You, you, you think of this COVID-19 and, and the impact that it's having in all our lives. And, and what are we asking? God, how could you let all this happen? After all, Lord, I'm doing my best as a Christian. Lord, I'm, I'm trying to be faithful to you. Lord, I'm trying to be faithful to the blood in the book. I'm asking you for a blessing. And all I get is this blasting. I'm asking you for help. And what do you get? I, I experience such hatred and, and animosity. Lord, how it's all possible. Why, Lord? Lord, what are you really doing? Lord, do you really know what you're doing? If you're such a wise, holy, good God, you're all powerful, then how could you allow this? See, I want you to get the force of that. Habakkuk means a wrestler. And what's he wrestling with in his personal struggle? Unanswered prayer, sin going unpunished, and God using a bad nation, a worse nation to punish a bad nation. Now that's the force of it. He's puzzled. He's perplexed. He's sighing in his heart, Lord, I don't understand. Lord, I feel you're indifferent to me. You didn't answer. Lord, I feel you're inactive toward me. Why do you not come and deal with sin? Lord, I feel you're being inconsistent. How's this keeping with your holy character? How's this true to your being as the living and the true God? Lord, are you sure you're not making a mistake? Now, that's the context of chapter 1. Now, in answer to that, God's marvelous work or a monumental wrong, I have three things that I want to leave with you today. I want you to think, first of all, look at verse 5, the unveiling of God's plan. You see, God is speaking here to Habakkuk. God is answering him. Notice what he says. Let's read it together. Behold ye among the heathen in regard, and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which you will not believe, though it be told you. Verse 6, For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. God says to him, Behold ye among the heathen. In other words, Habakkuk, I want you to gaze. I want you to see this. I want you to understand this. You're, you're thinking I'm indifferent. You're thinking I'm inactive. You're thinking I'm inconsistent. But I'm not. Habakkuk, I'm going to answer your prayer. But I'm not going to answer your prayer in the way that you expect me to answer. I'm going to work a work in your day which you're going to wonder at. And it will be a marvelous work. See the word work here? You know what it means? It's the work of a carpenter. It's a carpenter taking a piece of wood and, and, and fashioning something out of it. Um, say a, a table or a chair. 
Or, or the, the work here is of a metal worker getting different pieces of metal and, and making some ornamental thing for a garden or, 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 or something else that can be useful. God is at work. And that's what he wanted to bring home to the prophet. And that's the unveiling of God's plan today. God is at work. Do you see God at work in the 21st century? Let, let me tell you, God's at work universally this morning. He's working in every country around the world. And what we need in the free church again is a worldview. You think of that little chorus. He's got the whole world in his hands. Now, that's nothing to do with, with, with the Pope. I, I hear them singing that about him, but it's not. It's, it's about God himself. Because all the events in the world, the United States of America, this coming election, Iran, North Korea, Turkey, Russia, the EU and the United Kingdom, tiny little Israel. See, God is in absolute sovereign control. Is it any wonder the psalmist said, the Lord God omnipotent reigneth? He is at work universally. And at this time, in Habakkuk's day, he's raising up the Chaldeans. The word verse 6, Chaldeans, has to do with the Babylonians. And he raised up Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonian army from 606 to 586 B.C. And he raised them up to invade Judah. And they invaded Judah three times. And they ended up capturing Jerusalem. And they destroyed the temple. Habakkuk, I'm not indifferent. I'm not inactive. I'm not asleep. It's not that I don't care or lack ability and power. I see all the iniquity that's going on in the world. I see the immorality. I see the idolatry in my world. I'm fully aware. I'm involved in my world. And Habakkuk, I know you're burdened about the state of the land socially and morally and religiously and spiritually. And you're wondering, what on earth are you doing, Lord? Well, I want to tell you, here's my plan. I am at work. And can I say to you this morning, remember the wheels of God's judgment even though they grind slowly, they grind surely. God is at work. God is active at this present time in the world. By him, all things are held together. And we need a worldview. And if there's anywhere we need a worldview, it's in we Northern Ireland. That God is at work in our own little country. You see, we're... Not only Trinitarians, but I want to tell you, we're not deists. You see, a deist is someone long ago who believed that God made the world, and then like a giant clock, left it just to work by himself. So he went off and he's sitting somewhere uh, uh, totally indifferent, totally inactive uh, to, to what's going on. Well, well, that's not the teaching of the Bible. And here, here's one of the verses. I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. Can I tell you secondly and quickly, God is at work perfectly, not only universally. He's saying to Habakkuk here, you're going to be amazed. This is going to blow your mind. You're going to marvel at this. You're going to be shocked into a state of disbelief. Habakkuk, you're not going to believe what I'm going to do, what I'm going to tell you, Habakkuk. 
I'm going to raise up the Babylonian army. I'm going to bring them into the land of Judah. And I'm going to use them to punish Judah first for their sins. And Habakkuk was making an argument. But Lord, that's not in keeping with your holy character. You're you're going to allow war to come. You're going to allow the sword to flash. You're you're going to allow death. You're you're going to allow famine. You're going to uh, allow disease. How could you do it, Lord? Is it right? And the Lord says it is. For I will work. See, God is working perfectly according to his holy character. He's always consistent with all that he does in relation to his holy character. He works according to his eternal counsel and his holy purpose. Remember what we read there in Romans chapter 8. And we read there in the verse 28, the Apostle Paul, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. And we don't often see that. And we don't fully understand that. We're looking at the, the, the threads on the carpet. But when you go over to the other side, you can see a perfect picture. Well, God sees the perfect picture. We only see the threads. Over there in Romans chapter 11 and in the verse 33, the apostle Paul said this, Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who have known the mind of the Lord, who have been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall not be recompensed unto him again. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do you know what the psalmist said? As for God, his way is perfect. Do you know what Moses said? The secret things of God belong to the Lord. Deuteronomy 29 and 29. God is at work perfectly. Could I tell you something else? God is at work mysteriously. See, he's saying to Habakkuk, here's the answer to your prayer. You're asking what I'm doing. Well, well, well here's what I'm going to do. First of all, I'm going to use the Babylonians to punish Judah for the sin. And Habakkuk, I know that's not the answer that you want to hear. You're praying for revival. But before revival can come, there has to be punishment and retribution for sin. You you think of Judah being invaded by the Babylonians three times, starting at 606 right through to 586 BC. You you, you think of young children being carried off captives. You you think of the the city being destroyed. You you, you think of the gates being burned. You, You think of the temple being ransacked and looted of its treasures and the cessation of the priesthood and the cessation of the sacrifices. If we bring it nearer home, you think of we Northern Ireland or the United Kingdom being invaded by a foreign power, a, a foreign government. Um, we, we, we'll say that that government is Iran or, or, or North Korea. And, and all the impact that that would have on our life. Well, 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 that's the thought that we want to convey. That's the mysterious work of God. The Babylonians are coming to invade little Judah. But Habakkuk, you're not going to believe this. Look, look with me at verse 6. It, it says, For lo, I raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation, which shall march through the breadth of the land to possess the dwelling places that are not theirs. They're going to be strong. They're going to march through the land unopposed, taking 
cities and towns and villages doing what I've just described. Not only are they strong, but but they're swift. If you look at verse 7, it says, They are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity shall proceed of themselves. Their horses also are swifter than the lepers and are more fierce than the evening wolves. Do, Do you see that there? These people are not only strong and swift, but they're savage. Their deeds are terrible. They're doing what they like with no resistance. They show no mercy. They're devoid of mercy. And if you read the history of the Babylonian army attacking not only Judah, but attacking other countries at that time to build the Babylonian empire, men's hands were cut off. Eyes were gorged out. Men were impaled in stakes on the roadway and used as human torches at night. Some were boiled alive. The women folk were, were brutally raped. The children were marched into slavery. Do you know what's estimated? That something like 60,000 children were were, were brought into Babylon, even from the land of Judah at that time. Daniel being one of them, Ezekiel being another. See, it's all here in the book. And they're also sinful. They come for violence. They come for bloodshed. And remember what I said last week, national sins bring a national sentence, God's judgment. And they end up praising their might. They praise their military power. They attribute that to themselves and and to their God. The reference to the net here is a reference to their army. And, And they feel that they've got this great invincible net that they can drag everything along. In other words, their military machine. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar boasted, I have built Babylon. And here's God. And he's using the wicked to bring about his eternal purpose. Let me tell you a little story. We all love a little story. I want you to think of an old believer. And that old believer has very little food in the cupboard. And for some strange reason, can't really go that far out of the house down to the village to do the shopping. And that village, uh, er, uh, she prayed and asked the Lord to provide for her necessary food. Well, the window was open this particular morning when she was praying about the cupboards getting empty again. And there was an old unbeliever and he was working in his garden and he heard this. And he decided, you know what, I'm going to get a bag and I'm going to put bread in it. And I'm going to put some meat in it. And I'm going to put vegetables in it. And I'm going to leave it at the door and he hid behind the edge. So eventually she came out to the door and here was this bag of meat and vegetables and bread all sitting. So she started to praise the Lord and thank you, Lord. And she was really full of hallelujah and jumping up and down. And this man, he jumped out from behind the hedge and said, it wasn't the Lord. It was me. I put them there. You're giving glory to God. You're shouting hallelujah. Why are you praising the Lord? It was me that done it. Well, I'm praising the Lord who sent it, she said. Even if he used the devil to bring it. You see, that's the thought. God can use, God can send anyone or anything to accomplish his purpose. And he's mysteriously at work going to use the Babylonians to punish the less wicked Judah. And that's the unveiling of God's plan. God's at work universally. God's at work perfectly. And God's at work mysteriously. Can I tell you something else very quickly? Think of the unveiling of God's person. Look look with me now at verse 12. Art thou not from everlasting, 
O Lord, my God, mine Holy One, we shall not die. O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment, and Almighty God, thou hast established them for correction. Thou art of pure eyes, and behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the man that is more righteous than he. See, Habakkuk's now talking back to the Lord. And what does he say to the Lord? Well, he begins to rehearse what he knows about the Lord. He's recounting in his heart and mind what he believes and knows about God. Remember the psalmist? Be still and know that I am God. And that's a very good thing to do. When you're in trouble, when you're struggling, when you've got these feelings and these thoughts, God's inactive, God's indifferent, uh, God's inconsistent, then begin to recount and think in your heart and mind what you know about God. What do you know about God's nature? God's holy character? God's being? Think of our shorter catechism. What is God? Look up the answer. Memorize it. Uh, Apply it to your heart. Notice here, God is eternal. Art thou not from everlasting? O Lord my God. See, there never was a time when God was not. There never is a time when God will cease to be. God cannot change. It can either change for the better or for the worse. But because God is infinite and eternal and unchangeable in his being. He's eternally the same. Malachi 3 and 6 says, um, I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore you sons of Jacob are not consumed. It's impossible for God to change. And God is not only eternal, but, 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 but he's self-existent. You, you think of the words here, um, art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God? The word God is Elohim. It, 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 it takes us to the creator God. And, and God, remember, is self-existent. He's not dependent on anyone or anything. We're dependent on the Lord. But he's not dependent on us. He's the eternal I am. He is self-existent. So in every problem and every perplexity and every fear and every struggle, let's get our eyes on him. We learn something else about him. God is holy. What, what does he say here? Mine holy one. You see, he's thinking in his mind, how could a holy God do something unholy like this? He can't. He won't. He's a pure eyes and to behold evil and can't not look at iniquity. And let's remind ourselves that holiness is the very essence of God's being. And has the church today not lost sight of the holiness of God? We did a whole series of messages. They're on the website. We encourage you to listen to them again. God is holy. See, we're building up a picture. But God is faithful. And notice these words. We shall not die. See, Habakkuk knows that if Judah is punished by the Babylonians and the country's taking over, God will not permanently cut off his people. Even though the city of Jerusalem destroyed, Lord, and the temple is destroyed and the worship cease and the people are taken captive and many are slain, we shall not die. Why? Because God will not forget them. He not failed them. He not forsake them because he is true to his covenant promise that he made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and David. And God is always faithful to his word. And there's something you should remember when you're facing a problem and a difficulty. God is not only eternal and self-existent and holy, but God is faithful and faithful to his word. So I'll tell you something else. God is just. He says, O Lord, thou hast ordained them for judgment. Do you see that there? 
and Almighty God that has established them for correction. You see, remember the Bible says the wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life. The soul that sinneth, Ezekiel said in 18 and 4, shall die. The Babylonians did not know God. They, they, they knew nothing about God's character. Neither his eternality, neither his self-existence. They, they didn't know anything about his holiness. They knew nothing about his faithfulness. And they knew nothing about his justice. God's holy justice must punish his people. It, he must punish sin. But he will also punish the Babylonians for their sin. And God had told Habakkuk that's what he would do in verse 11. Then shall his mind change and he shall pass over and offend, imputing this as power unto his God. The moment they're lifted up with pride, I will destroy them. I will bring them down. That, that's what God is saying here. Could I ask the question this morning? Which is more important to you? Your health? Your wealth? Good friends? Your business? Your family? Or your immortal soul? Remember the Lord Jesus said, What shall it profit a man if you'll gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Remember the Lord Jesus also said, If you die in your sins where I am, there you cannot be. Three times he said that in John's Gospel. John 8, 22, right through to verse 24. You see, God is just. And because God is holy... In his justice, God must punish sin. He will not be indifferent to the sins of men. Neither your sins nor my sins. And of course, that's why he sent his only begotten son into the world to, to offer himself a once and for all sacrifice for sin. God proved not only that he was holy and just, but, but that God was a God of grace and love in the death of Christ. Let me tell you something else that Habakkuk focused on. God is almighty. Look what he says, and oh mighty God. He's established for correction, the Babylonians. Maybe you're here this morning and you're facing a big crisis. You're here with your questions. You've got loads of struggles and you're wanting to know why this is happening. Could I encourage you? Here's part of the answer to your solution. Begin to know God. Fill your mind with his eternality. Fill your mind with that he's self-existent and he's your creator. Fill your mind that he's the God of the covenant who's faithful to his word. Fill your mind that he's holy and just, but fill your mind that he's a mighty God. He's the almighty. And you can put your problems into his hands. And if you're here this morning and you're down, you're full of despair, you're depressed, you're disillusioned, you're wondering what on earth is happening in the world, what's happening in the church, what's happening in my life. I, I can't understand this, Lord. Why is this happening to me? Why have you done this to me? Lord, I have no answer. What is the answer? Well, well, know God. Be still. Stop what you're doing and begin to know God. Fill your heart and mind with the knowledge of God. And even when you can't trace his hand, then you can trust his heart. Wasn't that what Isaiah the prophet was able to do in Isaiah chapter 50? And remember what he says there in Isaiah 50 and in the verse 10. Listen to these words. This is what he said. Who is among you that feareth the Lord and obeying the voice of his servant that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Is that a picture of you this morning? Let him trust in the name of his God, his Lord, and stay upon his God see maybe you're here with issues that are personal 
Issues to do with your family. Issues to do with finance. Issues that are matrimonial. Maybe it's congregational issues. Maybe it's, it's national issues that you're struggling about. Whatever the struggle is, let's have the unveiling of God's person to our hearts and minds. And one final thing, not only the unveiling of God's plan and the unveiling of God's person, but, but think of this, the unveiling of God's patience. See, Habakkuk pictures Babylon. And he sees the army coming into Judah with all that I've mentioned, their strength, their savagery, their speed, their sinfulness. He, he, he's viewing them now as the greatest nation on earth, and they were at that time, 606 to, to uh, 586. Babylon was at its height right through to 536 BC. You, you think of their military machine, their, their net, their army catching all, come for violence, and he feels God's silent. Why is God silent? Why not deal with sin? Well, here's the answer. God is long-suffering. God's a God of forbearance. And one day Babylon fell. But where's the great emperor of Babylon today? It's gone, it's nowhere. God is patient. And he's been patient with you. He's given you another week. He's given you another Lord's day. And the chief thing in life the greatest thing that you could discover is the knowledge of God if God has been patient then I urge you to repent of your sin and bow the knee and receive Christ as Lord and Saviour let me close with this another illustration there was a great theatre taking place one time in Canada the theatre was owned by an atheistic man who was very very wealthy this man hated God and hated the gospel and the things of God. And at the end of this particular performance, he decided that he wanted to address the crowd. A big crowd that was in. One of these places that holds thousands. And uh, he said this. He said, I want to prove to everybody there's no God. You listening now? I want to prove there's no God. Right, God, I don't believe in you. And he mentioned a few other things, right? I'm giving you five minutes to strike me down. And he got the watch and he, he waited five minutes tick tock and he went on and he mocked the whole thing and everybody laughed and cheered and after five minutes there you are there's no God that's it we could just go home now he went home that night to his own house big fancy house mansion plenty of money in the bank put his hand in the doorknob and a wee spider bit him it was a venomous spider it was waiting on the doorknob was God going to strike him down in front of those people he could have but he didn't you know why because God had another plan. And the minute he put his hand to the doorknob and the spider bit him, within a short time he was gone. And it shocked Canada at that time. Shocked the audience. See, God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. Now God is patient and long-suffering. But there's an extent to his patience. When God calls, he wants us to come. And if God says repent, he wants us to do that. If God wants us to receive him, then that's what he wants us to do. That's what Habakkuk was discovering. And that was the answer that God revealed to him. God's marvelous work. 
or a monumental wrong. No monumental wrong. It's a marvelous work, the unfolding of the plan, the person, and the patience of God. The Lord bless you this morning. Thank you for coming, and thank you for listening.